The first lesson is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 to 11. When you have entered the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. Then go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there, and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians ill-treated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labour. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all good things the Lord your God has given to you and your home and your household. The second lesson is taken from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 6, verses 25 to 35. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must, we do to the, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Here ends the lesson. Before Matthew speaks, let's pray. Lord Jesus, please use the preparations, the study, and the thought that has gone into the sermon today and uh, may these reflections 
be um, inspiring to us. May our ears be open and our hearts moulded by them. And may your love shine through them. Lord, just be with Matthew as he speaks. Amen. start again. I remember probably um, just over uh, three years ago now because uh, when I was going through the interview weekends that you put me through and that I still hold you responsible for, um, all two of them, um, to become Minister of Camborne Church, I remember sitting on an uncomfortably low seat at the Vine uh, Primary School um, in one of the side rooms off the hall for those of you who know the Vine And, um, and Ian was meeting all the candidates, and he was telling them the history of, of Camborne Church. Um, and that started off an understanding that God has been at work powerfully in this church over its entire life. And Ian introduced me to a phrase which um, I know he holds dear and he'll tell anyone about, and is true, that God sends the right people at the right time within this place. And if it's possible to get me onto my PowerPoint slides, that would be fantastic. And so we're gathered here in this building because over the years, God has provided for us as a church. For so many years, he provided buildings such as a doctor's waiting room, the ark, the hub, and then we realized this place. But far more than buildings, he's provided people He's provided people to actually come and bring their giftedness, their richness into the life of this church over um, the years. This clicker obviously isn't working with PowerPoint. So when I nod to you, Jeff, can you move us on? We believe, especially at this time of harvest, that the Lord provides food for his people. And so we participate in the food bank um, Because we believe that people need food. Um, It's one of the basics of life, and we'll revisit that theme later on in this talk. And we also join together in the Christmas Food Hamper Project each year, where we provide food for some of the vulnerable families um, in Camborne. And we do that joyfully, and it's our service of the wider community, and it's our revelation to the wider community that God does indeed provide for his people, even those who don't know him yet. And as I thought more about God's physical provision for us, I realized that there's a huge vulnerability in being dependent on someone else to provide. I think a huge part of what I've seen in what drives people like Julie and Fleur and the Stuarts and the rest of the food bank team is the sense that what they're doing is actually not optional but essential. As soon as you get into volunteering at the food bank, the people who use it are dependent on that resource uh, being there. And so it's important to the food bank team that the stock is there, that, that the team are there to give out those food parcels. But imagine it from the perspective of the client, of the person who's, who's there desperately needing food and the vulnerability of relying on that provision from someone else. When the church knew that after years of being in the ark and the hub, it needed its own building, the one we sit in today. 
The funding, as I understand it, wasn't looking terribly hopeful. The church didn't have the means to pay for the building it needed. And so the church felt called back to prayer. And through a wonderful set of events, which Ian can tell you about afterwards if you ask him, um, God's provision came and we realized this space in which we now sit and worship and which the community meet throughout the week. So if you've closed your Bibles, turn back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26. Since Deuteronomy chapter 12 until this present chapter in chapter 26, Moses has been given the Israelites um, instructions which will shape their lives. These instructions cover everything from how to appoint judges to the cancellation of debts and how to go about uh, marriage. And so arriving in chapter 26, we find reference to God's gift of the land. So either in your Bibles or it's up on the screen, you'll find these words. When you have entered the land that the Lord your God is given you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is given you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in the office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. First key point for today, God prepares us to live within a place of his provision. God prepares us to live within a place of his provision. The instructions given to the Israelites since chapter 12 cover just about every conceivable aspect of life. It is the giving to the people of Israel of Torah or law, not so that their lives may be locked down or controlled, but by living under God's rule, they may live lives of freedom, seizing the opportunity of God's provision, in this case, a land flowing with milk and honey. How has God prepared you to enjoy his provision in your life? Have you noticed the law preparing your mind, making you more resilient or increasing your ability to be compassionate in order that you might meet the demands of a certain season or scenario in your life? I believe that we were prepared for the provision of this space by being called back to prayer and in that season of preparation we began to realise the enormity of the task but also on realising this space the enormity of God's provision to us. Without the preparation we don't appreciate the provision. Let me just say that again. Without the preparation we don't appreciate the provision. That's true in the sense that if buildings and people and finances that we seek come along too readily, we may become complacent about that provision. It's also true because provision comes that we may serve the Lord and reveal his kingdom. So periods of being called as a whole church to pray to the Lord before his provision comes only serves to prepare us not just for the realisation of that provision, for we pray in faith and expectancy, 
but prepares us for the opportunities that God's provision uh, brings to serve him and his people. And so the passage in Deuteronomy chapter 26 um, unpacks two key attitudes that the people of Israel and you and I should embody in our lives as a means of responding to God's generous provision. These two attitudes are obedience and thanksgiving. Both are disciplines. They're things we work at over time. But both are required not just for, uh, not just so that, you know, not so that our lives are straitjacketed, but so that we might live in the freedom of life that God calls us to. So just as the Torah was given, not to straitjacket the people of Israel, but to give them the fullness of freedom and opportunity to possess the land that God has given us. So God gives us um, these principles of obedience and thanksgiving so that we might enter into the fullness of life in him. So obedience, the passage starts with the instruction from Moses that on having settled in the land, the Israelites should present some of the first fruits to the priest. And then if you cast your eye down to verse 10, um, the first fruits in obedience are brought to the priest. We are to use the harvest. We are to use God's provision to be obedient to God. And if you keep your eyes around verses 9 and into verse 10, thanksgiving, when harvest comes, when God's provision comes, we are to give thanks to God. And part of thanksgiving is um, this new um, thing of mindfulness that's come into bookshelves everywhere and all over the internet. It's this idea of being fully engaged in the present moment. And there are some wonderful Christian resources um, which are biblically sound on mindfulness. And I think thanksgiving is a spiritual discipline which helps us to be fully aware of what God is doing in the present moment. So we are to be thankful in order to see the work and hand of God in our lives. Can you perceive God's provision in your lives currently? Can you look back throughout your story and see in your life's journey God's provision of people or finances or material goods or anything else in order to bless your life and enable you to serve him? So far we've talked about things that God does for us that can prepare us for God's service. But the risk of leaving a talk at this point is that we can see God's provision as us getting stuff, as us simply receiving provision. Now, whilst I'm not saying that's a bad thing because God gives graciously to his children, we can't leave it at that point. There's nothing wrong with God's gracious gift or provision for his people. It allows us to model God's gracious gift and generosity to others. But provision can't be limited to this. So next key point, God is provision himself. Not in the things that he provides, but in his very being. In fact, one of the names that we have for God is on the screen behind me, Jehovah Jireh which we get from Genesis chapter 22 and means the Lord who provides, the Lord who provides. So in the very name of God is is God's identity as a provider. So let's turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6, the second of our readings this morning. 
In the first part of this passage, Jesus calls the Galileans gathered round him on their motivation for following him. He calls them out on their motivation. And so on the screen or in your Bibles, you'll see these words. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, these people were listening to Jesus, not because of who he was, but for what they could get out of him. And I want to call out a challenging point here for society and for the church that we must watch out that our image of Jesus is not consumerist or transactional. I want us to watch out that our image of Jesus, who we understand Jesus Christ to be, is not consumerist or transactional. God, Jehovah Jireh, loves to give good gifts to us, his children, But our image of Jesus cannot be limited to a person who does things for us if we're to grow in our discipleship. But our faith has to be based and our life as a church has to be based on the increasing revelation that Christ Jesus is in himself, in his very being, our provision. And this is a lifetime's journey of becoming a Christian and growing into spiritual maturity until we can pray with great integrity, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Because here with these Galilean crowds, Jesus isn't offering them physical bread, which is what they are seeking after, but he is offering them himself as the living bread. In verse 35... Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And the metaphor of bread works on several levels in these verses. Bread is a staple food. We had some others. We had rice in um, Jane's basket at the front here. And we got some bread on our table, um, reminding us of God's provision. It's pretty essential to uh, live in physically well. It's a staple food. But Jesus is the spiritual bread, essential for eternal life. In Jesus, the bread of life, we discover God's provision of eternity, of eternal life. And here's a point to remember. Jesus was speaking to a mainly disbelieving crowd who were demanding signs to test him. And yet in the very DNA of our beings, we we as humans are built with a desire for eternity. In the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 3, verse 11, we're told, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. How wonderful is it that in the very way that we are made, we are inbuilt with the desire for eternity that we were created to know Jesus. And, you know, many people struggle with this whole idea of sharing Jesus with others. 
But perhaps this is helpful to realise that God has placed within every human being the desire for eternity of life with Christ. And so just in a very natural way as you as parents or friends would encourage um, one another with musical gifts or sporting gifts and you'd seek to coach and mentor people into, into the fullness of use of those gifts, so we have a role in encouraging people to fan into flames that desire for eternity which is inbuilt within them. We are helping people discover who they really are. I find that hugely encouraging. Secondly, um, Jesus is the bread of life who satisfies those who hunger for righteousness. What is righteousness? Scary time. It's moral perfection. Moral perfection. That's a challenging concept, isn't it? And it's good to strive for righteousness, to try and live righteous lives, but in our strength we can't get there. But in Matthew um, chapter 5, which many of you will know to be the Beatitudes, and in verse 6 we read, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus is God's provision for our righteousness. For when he died on the cross, he made us righteous in the sight of God. So God provides he prepares us for, the make, for making the most out of his provision. But the greatest provision God offers us, this harvest and always, is his son, Jesus Christ, who offers us eternity and righteousness in God. So for us here this morning, I wonder if in order to understand the true harvest, God's true provision, we need to lay down some expectations that we might have of Jesus in order to enter into the fullness of understanding of who Jesus really is. I wonder sometimes if our faith becomes too transactional, that we ask God of too much stuff motivated by the same motivation that had the crowds, that I want this so I'll pray for that. And I wonder if we need to lay down some of those expectations or demands of God in order that we might see Jesus. See Jesus as the provision of eternity. See Jesus as the provision of righteousness. Uh, Jane um, Brooks, um, who you saw earlier, and I had um, the most remarkable morning um, this week. We went to the Vine and we were given two lessons to teach uh, 60 year sixes how to lead prayers. It was a wonderful time, and actually as a tangent, it was just wonderful to see four or five of our own church family in those classes. This always gives me joy. But we, um, after doing a spoof on what prayer isn't and some comedy sketches, we asked the, um, the learners at the Vine what prayer actually is. And we gave them time in their table groups to discuss what prayer was. And we had some great answers like communicating uh, with God, having a conversation with him. We had great answers to do with um, seeking God's healing. And then there was a, a final girl who said these words. And they floored me. She said, prayer is lingering in God's presence. And you know in those moments where you hear something 
and you're just taken by surprise, and that reflects my own lack of expectation of the faith of children. But in those moments, you realize that in that life, there is such an understanding of who Jesus is that informs the words that came out of her mouth, that prayer is the lingering in God's presence. What do we have to lay down this morning that we might linger in Jesus' presence, that we might see him more clearly? Let's pray together. This might be an opportunity, um, if you desire, um, to, in your own heart and mind, to identify something that perhaps needs to be laid down, as I've said. And it might be, if you want to imagine the cross of Christ in your mind, that you can imagine yourself symbolically placing whatever it is you need to lay down at the foot of the cross of Jesus. Knowing that on that cross, Christ made us righteous in the eyes of God. So just take a few moments of silence to bring to the foot of the cross those things that we need to lay down. And as we stand in our mind's eye at the foot of the cross, lift your eyes away from what it is you've laid down and gaze up at Jesus. Gaze up at him who brought you eternity and righteousness. Holy Spirit, come and reveal to us that in that Jesus who we now gaze at in our minds, all our provision and need of provision is met.